Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Fans Talk Pro Wrestling Podcast. As always, I am your host with the Holla French Toast, Freddie Carlson, and I am joined by my good friend, as always, on the other side of the microphone, the heart of the wrestling fan base himself, Angelo Belly. Say hello to the people, Angelo. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back. And we are back once again. Happy to be talking about something a lot more positive, a lot more fun today, a lot more upbeat. But, and I'm going to do this every episode now as a little tribute, it's Sunday, and you know what that means. It's time for another edition of the Fans Talk Pro Wrestling Podcast, and today we are talking about championships. Now, that can mean a lot of things, so what do I mean specifically? Well, I'm talking about Championship Association Sunday. That's what I'm calling this very special episode, as we are recording on a Sunday night for those who are listening on another day of the week. The way that this is going to work is Angelo in a moment is going to run through a short list of championships that we are going to be discussing, and we are going to talk about individuals who we associate with that championship title belt. So, for example, the WWE Championship has been in... Has been in, in service, I think that's the right way, has been active, is the better way to put it, has been active since uh, 1963 and has seen various incarnations over the years. Um, that uh, title has had... Uh, different uh, the, the Winged Eagle version, the Spinner version, the uh, Attitude Era Big Gold version. So that title, we're going to talk about basically every style of the belt that is modern. So we're going to talk Winged Eagle and present. So the, the early uh, incarnations of the title, you know, you can assu- you pretty much associate Bruno San Martino and probably, you know, Bob Backlund. So we're going to talk more in terms of... Uh, the more recent versions, and uh, we're going to go through a bunch of other titles. So I am going to turn things over to Angelo, and he is going to list uh, the championships that we are going to talk about, and then we will get a little bit more into individual titles and who we associate with them. So Angelo, on to you. Okay, so as far as WWE championships go, we have the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, the WWE's version of the big old belt, the WWE Undisputed Championship, the uh, Divas Championship, the Women's Championship, and both the Raw and SmackDown Women's Championships. Moving on to mid-card, we have the Intercontinental, United States, and European. And then for tag team, we have the WWE Tag Team Championship um, from early on 2002 to 2010-ish. The World Tag Team Championship around the same time and the WWE Raw Tag Team Championship. And then going on, we're going to discuss a little bit of TNA and Impact Wrestling Championships. Same thing, the two world titles, two knockout titles, uh, both versions of the X Division, and the uh, Tag Team Championships as well. So, uh, to, to give a little bit more context when he's talking about Impact Wrestling, uh, TNA, he says the two versions of them, because... On a technical sense, they are the same company. However, the titles have changed names, obviously, from the TNA World Heavyweight title to the Impact Wrestling World Heavyweight title. And because of that, there are different incarnations of the belts. Uh, So we will be talking about that uh, a little later on when we get over to Impact. But to slide back to WWE, I'd like to start actually in the tag team uh, realm, if you will, uh, Angelo. And the reason I want to do that is because there's a lot of questions. Actually, Angelo, you and I spoke about this individually Uh, prior to recording earlier today, talking about the different incarnations of the belts and exactly what lineages they own. Because we all know Vince McMahon is not a huge fan of tag team wrestling. 
Uh, and right. so the tag team titles have seen various incarnations and have kind of felt like an afterthought at different uh, ta- uh, points in history. Um, so to clarify for everyone, I'm going to give a little bit of backstory on the tag team titles really quickly so that you know their lineage. The World Tag Team Championships were the initial tag team titles instituted by the WWE back in the 1970s and were won by various teams over the years, and those titles were in existence until 2009 when they were unified with the WWE Tag Team Championships, which had themselves been instituted way back in 2002 uh, when the initial brand split took place and SmackDown needed their own set of tag team championships. The tag team championships that were created in 2002 at one time were known as the WWE Tag Team Titles and were unified with the World Tag Team Championships at WrestleMania 25 by Primo and Carlito. Uh, They were recognized as the unified tag team titles for just over a year and a half before uh, the Hart Dynasty received uh, individual belts that were just simply known as the WWE Tag Team Championship, thus ending the lineage of the initial World Tag Team Titles there and becoming the WWE Tag Team titles going forward. Those tag team titles remained as are until 2016, when the second brand split WWE did took place. That brand split made the WWE Tag Team titles of the previous six and a half years, and turned them into the Raw Tag Team Championships, which are still in effect to today. The SmackDown Tag Team Championships, which currently are also active, um, were created in 2016 upon the brand split, and have no connection to any of the previous lineages mentioned in this little spiel here. So that is how we're going to talk about it. So we have chosen to exclude the SmackDown Tag Team Championship as because Angelo and I kind of came to an agreement. The Usos and the New Day have both held those titles over five times each, and every other team to hold them just kind of... Uh, Not to say irrelevant, but in terms of the title's history, there's not much to draw off of, so we have chosen to exclude them from the discussion. And we will, however, be speaking of all the rest, as Angelo said. And, Angelo, I'm going to pose to you your first uh, question, my first question regarding these titles. We're going to talk about the, uh, the original World Tag Team Championships, which had two designs that were mainstream. The titles... The design held by the likes of the Hardys, the Dudleys, Edge and Christian, the APA, the New Age Outlaws back in the late 90s and early 2000s, as well as the version held in the mid-2000s by the likes of the, the World's Greatest Tag Team, Shawn Michaels and John Cena, and the like. So, when you think about those championships, which teams do you associate with them? Uh, so, one of the main teams that I do associate them with are definitely the Hardy Boys. Um you know, they, they hold those titles, I believe it was seven or eight times, those, that, like, version of the championship. So, you know, they they definitely held it for that amount of time. So that's why I put them on as a team that I associate them with. Right. Well, absolutely. I mean, I, 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 I so for me, I the thing with this type of association thing is there's it's hard to pick just one or two people. It literally is impossible, or teams. It's literally impossible because when you have a championship, you have your core group of guys that are going to make it what it is and make it what it, and make it known, you know? And so to me, the Hardys are in that discussion, um, but I, I, I have to go with, in my opinion, the three greatest tag teams of all time, as we've spoken about on an earlier episode of the pod, were, um, the Hardys, the, the Dudleys, and Edge and Christian. 
Those three teams and their battles over the titles over the years, just unbelievable. And and even individually, I know um, Jeff and Matt Hardy ended up going on later to win the second uh, incarnation of the belts, meaning, and by incarnation, I mean the second design of the belts uh, in 2007, as did Edge with uh, Randy Orton in 2006. Uh, but there was a lot of... There's a lot of things that they just symbolize. They symbolize the peak of tag team wrestling in WWE. The one time that tag team wrestling seemed to matter for a short period of time was in the late 90s and early 2000s because those three teams helped to spearhead a division that had been pigeonholed as the afterthought of the 90s and would soon become that way again shortly thereafter. But for me, that's those three teams. Uh, And I don't know about you, Angelo, if anyone else... Uh, sticks out in particular, but unfortunately, prior to the you know 99 2000, the titles were treated as the like, like I said, the afterthought. You know, they were kind of like the secondary thing featured in the main fo- the main storyline. You know, how many times did you see two guys who weren't a team? We've talked about this before. Two guys who weren't a team who ended up winning the title: Stone Cold and the Undertaker. The Undertaker and Big Show. The Rock and Dude Love. Okay, well, the Rock and Dude Love was pretty cool. The Rock and Sock Connection, but. You know, how many times did you see something like that? So, you know, Kane and uh, the Hurricane, Kane and X-Pac, Kane and Rob Van Dam. Kane had a lot of random tag team partners. But, uh, yeah, so, Angelo, any of the teams that you can pinpoint from the from that time frame that resonate with those titles to you? Uh, with those titles, not a whole lot. I mean, I agree with the three that you said because at that time they really – made those titles look really important. You know, no no other team, I don't think, was given an opportunity to, but those three teams made it shine. And that, Absolutely. And, uh, and, uh, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say that other teams from the, the generations, you know, that generation and even a little before or after were bad. There were, there were peaks and valleys to the division. You know, I think the New Age Outlaws and the APA were severely underrated for their time. Uh, yeah. but if you also look at teams like, like I said, you know, those random pairings that literally did not make any sense yet. Well, <laughs> the two man power trip had potential, but Triple H's injury kind of cut that short. I feel like that was going somewhere. Unfortunately, it just didn't two man power trip, man. That's something I want to talk about someday. That was a one like missed opportunities, be, you know, be the, you know, be whatever the circumstances may. That's definitely up there. The two man power trip had so much potential back then. Um, but yeah, so I think when you look at it, it's kind of those three teams. And conversely, now switching gears to the WWE Tag Team Championship, which as again, as I said before, again, were instituted on SmackDown in 2002, uh, had a very unique design to them. I always thought they looked really cool. They had that, that blue in them that really symbolized SmackDown, you know. That was a time where SmackDown really made tag team wrestling the, you know, the, the focal point. You know, the SmackDown 6 uh, Eddie Guerrero, Chavo Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, uh, Chris Benoit, Edge, and Kurt Angle, uh, you know, having some amazing tag team matches over the belts in the early days, you know, the, all, the, those those three teams, man, some great stuff. Um, but if I had to pick one team that I associate with the WWE Tag Team Championships, you know, I'm going to ha- I have two teams, I should say. I have two teams that I'm going to pick, and I don't think you would have expected either of these teams, at least, okay. you know, because I haven't mentioned anything to you. The first one, Paul London and Brian Kendrick. And the second, Eminem, Mercury, Nitro, and Molina. 
Okay, the second one I have on my list as well. Yes. Now, Eminem won the titles three times in the mid-2000s, but they were champs, it seemed like, forever. And, I mean, while they, again, it wasn't the the main focus, it was never the main, you know, premise of SmackDown, they were a very interesting team. And, I mean, John Morrison always proved to be fantastic in the ring, and I still think he is, and still think he should be a world champion before his career is over. But at the time, that was perfect for him, and the three of them worked together as great heels, you know, stuff that you could actually watch and, like, believe, and you could actually hate them, and that's what you wanted. Now, Paul London and Brian Kendrick are also on my little list here because they held the titles, those specific titles, longer than any team in history, 330-something days as tag team champions, and low-key, they were having some, some fire matches. Now, again... Not the best, the best time for the titles, but when you watch, you know, some of the, if you watch that fatal four way ladder match at Armageddon 2006, London and Kendrick versus Eminem versus the Hardys versus Dave Taylor and William Regal, that is a sleeper match. And let me tell you right now, you will not have many problems watching it outside of the fact that Joey Mercury's nose blows up because he hits, he has the ladder go off of it. But if you can handle a little bit of blood and, you know, be weary if you do choose to watch that match and haven't seen it yet. Uh, Mercury's nose does get blown up by the ladder. Uh, it's a great match, and it really put those two guys over, and I was sad to see their team end shortly thereafter in, 20, in 2007 and kind of never reach the next level of legendary tag team like they could have been. I think, At least I think they could have been. Um, but yeah, so those are mine. Angela, you said you had, Eminem was one of your teams. Who else do you have in your discussion? Uh, this one might actually shock you. I got Los Guerreros. Ah, I like that. They were the, like I said, the SmackDown six back in the early days of the title's existence. I believe they were the, uh, second or third team to hold the belts after their creation to it as well, which is, uh, yeah, all, well, all three teams in the SmackDown six held it at some point, but I do not know the order. I believe Angle and Benoit were first. Angle and Benoit were the initial. Then Los uh, Guerreros, then, then Edge and Rey Mysterio, if I'm not mistaken, that was the order. It was late 2002 into early 2003, and those six guys were always involved, always on in the title hunt. So uh, I agree with you. Great team. Great choice. Any, anything else you wanted to add about them? Um. Not really. I mean, I think I think that was about it. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the titles had a unique look. We talked about the uh, the fact that there was two sets of tag titles for a while. Were eventually uh, unified in two thousand and nine by Miz and Morrison, losing the world tag team titles to the WWE tag champs Carlito and Primo, um, and the titles were unified for a little over a year, held by the likes of uh, Primo and Carlito, um, Edge and Chris Jericho, Edge and uh, Jericho and Big Show, DX, Big Show and The Miz, and then eventually the Hart Dynasty before the titles were turned into those copper, uh, whatever you want to call them, the that version of the WWE Tag Team Championship. And uh, we're going to talk about that one next. And what I'm actually going to think about here, Angelo, is because those copper titles just turned into the silver ones with the red strap and they are still recognized as the Raw Tag Team titles, we're going to talk yep. about both of those at once, I think, just to kind of kill two birds with one stone. Uh, so I'm going to start with the copper version that uh, ran from 2010 to 2016. Uh, and I am going to give... Um, uh, I really, you know, I, I had to really think about this one because I had to think about who the champions were because, again, the titles kind of 
fell out of favor. They had a hot streak in the late to, mid late 2000s and then the early 2010s just again fell flat. Uh there were like listen to some of these teams that held the titles in this era. Primo and Epico. Uh what's it called? Primo and Epico. We had R-Truth and Kofi Kingston, Evan yep. Bourne and Kofi Kingston. Uh Team Hell No, which was good. Um Team Hell No was a was a good team, uh, but they're not my choice. My choice is the Shield, and I think you know, out of all the teams who held those titles in this era, they benefited the most because it was their first championship win um, on the main roster. Ambrose won the U.S. title. Rollins and Reigns won the tag titles. And I think that their six and pl- their six plus months as champs were great. And when they lost the titles, it felt like a big deal when Cody Rhodes and Goldust defeated them. And I think that's that's the important part of a ta- any title reign, but especially the tag titles. It helped make a star or two stars really get them solidified, give them their first taste of gold on the main roster, and set them up for the bigger and better things they would later see in 2014 and beyond after they lost the gold. So that's my choice. Who do you associate with the copper, Angelo? Uh, so with the copper, I do most likely associate. Um, it's for me, it's either got to be the shield, or um, damn, this is a real tough one. Uh, or it's got to be the new day or the Usos for that version of the belt. Really, the new day with those titles? Yeah, because I remember when they were holding those titles. This is this is what made me actually a fan of them. Was the night the Monday Night Raw after they won them in New York City, the Dudley Boys came back, and they were basically trashing on New York, whatever. And then the Dudleys came out and they started like brawling with them. And I was like, holy crap! You know, this could set up a great feud for the New Day. This could be like their whole like thing. And you know something about that too. Um, that was actually I, I love the Dudleys, and I would you know a nostalgia tag title run would have been cool, but they didn't do what they always do, and they didn't put the titles on the nostalgia act. And I think that was the right call. But sorry, continue. No, that was it. <laughs> like I, I thought that they could have they could have had a great feud, a great match, and really put the new day over, and you know they could now. Have- had those titles held to the highest thing. Oh, absolutely. Now, the one thing I will say is um, the feud was lackluster. Hate to say it. Um, but it was cool to see them face a team like the Dudleys coming back for, you know, and then, like I said, at the time, it probably would have been cool to see the Dudleys have one last nostalgia run with the gold. But in hindsight, that was the start. Excuse me, that was the start of the New Day's um, 483-day tag team title reign, breaking Demolition's record. And we wouldn't have gotten that without the, if the Dudleys had won the titles. So in hindsight, yes. But also, I see what you mean with the New Day. Now, when, when I think of the New Day, I do associate them more with the SmackDown tag team titles, simply because I believe they've held those titles six or seven times to accumulate most of their ten. Uh, yeah. They held the Raw tag titles twice... So wow, actually, so eight-time SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Yep. That's how many times they've held those titles. Uh, three-time Raw Tag, three-time Raw Tag Team Champions, uh, eight-time or seven-time SmackDown Tag Team Champions uh, together. And yeah, I mean, 
their their whole 483 day reign came with the copper belts. So it's it's between the Shield and the New Day, I guess you could say for me. Uh, Shield definitely benefited more in terms of their star power, but the New Day came into their own as a group and became so popular while holding them. So I see what you mean there as well. Uh, and when it comes to the Raw Tag Team titles, the red strap with the silver plates, uh, again, a title design that's only been in effect for about four years now. I do think that the team I think of the most when I think of that, well, individually, I think of Seth Rollins, who has held that single version of the championship with Jason Jordan, Dean Ambrose, Buddy Murphy, and Braun Strowman. Four different individuals have held the titles with Seth. Uh, Seth is a six-time tag team champion, uh, five of them coming with the silver, and of course we mentioned the, the bronze reign with uh, Roman Reigns, no pun intended, a few moments ago. Uh, but if I'm talking about teams, uh, I got to go with the bar, Sheamus and Cesaro. Uh, they were the first teams to ho- the first team to hold the red straps, uh, winning, uh, being uh, awarded the new look gold after they ended the New Day's historic 483 day reign in December of 2016, and they went on to hold those championship titles three times throughout the course of 2017, and feuded with the likes of the Hardy Boys, Gallows and Anderson, uh, the Shield, Rollins and Ambrose. Um, and later, um, Braun Strowman and Nicholas. <laughs> oh, it always comes back to Nicholas, doesn't it? Okay. Anyway, moving on before we dwell on that, Angelo, who do you associate with the red straps? Uh, actually me, and you, I think have the same mindset with this, the bar. Yeah. For the same exact reason. And honestly too, there's their singles feud. Like oh yeah right right the best of seven series they had yeah and then and forcing them to be a tag team them winning the tag titles holding the new belts for me honestly holding the tag team championships for them did wonders for their career oh absolutely but it it just helped well you know it and we we I talked about this in my fantasy booking of Cesaro's career many months back but um. The thing that I look at when it comes to uh, when it comes to something like that is that they both could have been world champions after that. Cesaro especially, and yet Cesaro they both well Sheamus got hurt and that the team's end came as Sheamus hurt his back and took the rest of 2019 off to rehab, but Cesaro should have gone right into something huge, anything you know whether it was Money in the Bank, the Intercontinental Title, something. And of course he didn't, and he's still not there. And Sheamus has kind of inched his way back to the world championship scene after some time, you know, fledgling around in the mid card, and hopefully he'll get his shot at, at Drew McIntyre at some point. But yeah, so to me that is what we I associate with the red, and and you know it made them a believable team for sure. It made them very popular, whether as heels or faces, for a very good amount of time. Uh, so moving on out of the tag team division and on to a, uh, a new division within WWE, we're going to move to the women's division. Uh, so the women's championship, uh, had several incarnations as well, uh, initially existing back way back in the seventies and eighties, uh, as the fabulous Moolah reigned as women's champion for 20 something years. And of course we all know Women's wrestling was never treated respectfully for, for a good considerable amount of time in the history of WWE, unfortunately. 
Um, but thankfully the last five years or so that has changed and I'm so thankful to see it change because we've seen so much more great wrestling because of it. Um, but let's go and, uh, I dive into it. So the women's championship was reinstituted in the late nineties, uh, with that, with that gold oval shaped design that was held by the likes of, uh, Trish Stratus and Lita. Unfortunately, it was also held by the likes of some non real wrestlers, like I believe Miss Kitty and, we're going to avoid those types of ones. Um, and then Mickey James and some of the highlights later on uh, before it was retired in 2010 for the Divas title, that butterfly monstrosity that was meant to downgrade the women to uh, lesser of a role again before being reinstituted in 2016 as the red version of the title with the white strap and later the SmackDown version with the blue background. So we're going to be talking about those three particular designs, the Raw and SmackDown Women's Championships, as well as the old oval-style gold one as well. So to start with the old-school one from the late 90s and early 2000s, um, I associate the women who I just mentioned with it. Uh, what's it called? Um, Trish Stratus, Lita, and Mickey James. And I'll even venture one further, Beth Phoenix. Those four women turned that championship into something believable whenever they held it. And there's nothing against now, not nothing against any of any of the women who were not necessarily great wrestlers, who were not wrestlers at all, who ended up holding the gold. But I just feel like if you're going to make a title legitimate, and this and the women's division in WWE was never a focal point. Trish and Lita were great, and their feud was amazing, and it was one of the most important uh, things in women's wrestling history. Um, uh. There were highlights within there, you know, Molly Holly was pretty good, Victoria was very good, but Trish and Lita ran their era, and then Beth Phoenix and Mickie James, uh, a few years after them, definitely carried the standard bearer there. Uh, and, you know, Melina had her highlights, Candice Michelle tried her backside off to be good in the ring, and so, you know, it had its, it, it had its highs and it had its lows, but those four women for me are my, my notables. Angelo, who do you have for this one? Uh, I actually, I got Lita and Trish Stratus as well, just because of their, their feud for the title. And, you know, even the way that they carried the title, especially the Trish Stratus. Seven times. She's such a huge trailblazer for the women's division in my eyes. And think about that. She didn't really become a focal point of in-ring competition until at least 2001, because she was originally Vince McMahon's, um... Uh, I, I, whatever she was, it was weird, but um, you know, so she didn't start wrestling full time until at least 2001. So and, and retired in 2006. So seven women's title, seven women's title reigns in less than five years, and having some of the most high profile and important women's matches in WWE history with the likes of Lita and Mickey James. So I definitely agree with you on that one. Uh, we, we, we were going to ignore the Divas Championship simply because that title never really meant much, but it would be remiss if we did not at least mention two individuals who held the title for a very long time. Um, well, not, not necessarily a very long time. I want to mention them both though. Michelle McCool, who was the, the inaugural, uh, Divas Champion, uh, and it was, it was, a, it was at the time it was a good thing because it was a big, it was a big thing. They had a tournament to crown the champion and I, and Michelle was a very good wrestler for what, you know, for the time period in which she was in. And, you know, a little before her time, in my opinion, she could have really been a star if she was coming around nowadays. Um, and, and, you know, like a mainstream star, uh, and of course, AJ Lee, 
I think we would be remiss if we did not mention AJ Lee and what she tried to do for the Divas Championship. Unfortunate circumstances around booking and, and the placement on the card and the length of matches and all that. But AJ deserves to be mentioned in this discussion. And Angela, I, I am sure you agree. Definitely. I agree with, I agree with AJ. Um, I'd also throw in, I don't know how you're going to feel about this, but I also throw in Nikki, Nikki Bella. Bella. Yeah. I was thinking that, that too. Because of her long reign and especially with her heel turn. Yeah. You know, that, that kind of did something for her, I the, guess. But uh, The thing that lessens it for me, uh, it was the way she won the title, man. She yeah. beat AJ for the title because her sister, who literally three months before, she said, I wish you died in the womb, slapped her in the face, and then beat her in a match where where Brie literally had to become her servant for a month. All of a sudden, Brie's on her side, kisses AJ, costs her the title, and Nikki wins it. That, to me, was just like, why are we here? However, I will say being champion for 300 days, despite the fact that the title was never prominently featured, is a big deal. She is the longest reigning Divas champion of all time. And to what it's worth, she did work hard to be better as time went on. So I will give Nikki a nod as well. But let's move on to the Raw Women's Championship, which was reinstituted as the WWE Women's title for a few months in 2016 before the the uh, brand split where it became the Raw Women's title. Um, and it has been held by several women over the last several years. Angela, I'm going to let you go first this time. Who do you associate with the white and red Raw Women's Championship? Uh, so there's two names. I could have put three. But the two names that I most associate the Raw Women's Championship with are, ah, dear God, help me with this, Charlotte Flair and Sasha Banks. <laughs> yeah. I could have put Becky in there, but I saved Becky for SmackDown because well, you know, honestly, honestly and, and we can get into that in a minute, Becky held the SmackDown Women's Championship on three separate occasions. And cumulatively, her reigns as those and those three did not exceed her reign as Raw Women's Champion, which uh, was about thirteen months. She won it at WrestleMania thirty-five. We were there, and she held yep. on to it until she relinquished it back in May of this year because of her pregnancy. She never actually lost the championship; had to relinquish it because of that. So, to me, Becky is on my list um, uh, with the two that you mentioned as well, Sasha. And Charlotte Sasha Banks being a five-time Raw Women's Champion, and I believe Charlotte Flair is a six-time Raw Women's Champion. And, uh, yeah, God help us all. We all remember 2016, and Angelo, I think I know why you kind of hesitated there for a second. We're talking the hot potato of 2016? Yep, exactly. Where, where Sasha Banks and Charlotte Flair, I believe, each held the title three times. Within a held it one four, more time. Well, because she was the initial champ. So her, yeah, she because she entered the feud as champion and she exited the feud as champion. Yeah, which just boggles my mind because Sasha had the big win on Raw in her hometown just before SummerSlam. Yep. All right, I get you do it in her hometown, so it makes it a little bit bigger. Could have probably saved the title change for SummerSlam, but you get to SummerSlam and what happens? It's like three weeks later, Sasha loses the title. All right, well, that's a little sus, but we get to uh, 
what's it called? Clash of Champions the next month. Sasha <laughs> wins the title back. Then we get to Hell in a Cell, the first ever women's Hell in a Cell match, making history. Main first two women to main event a pay per view in WWE history. Charlotte wins the title back. Then a random Falls Count Anywhere match on Raw. Sasha wins the title back. <laughs> and then we get the 30-minute Iron Woman match at uh, Roadblock End of the Line in 2016 where, uh, what's it called? Charlotte Flair regained the women's title again from Sasha Banks. So for the fourth time in the midst of this whole story, and I believe fifth time overall uh, at that point. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, fourth. Yeah, whatever. Not really important, but yeah, the hot potato. And of course, this was in the first year of the title's existence, so you see how much you're doing for the title. Um, first few months, actually. Not even a full year. Yeah, the title was brought in at WrestleMania 32 in April, and by December, they had hot potatoed it three times to Char- uh, Sasha, four times to Charlotte. Good God, what a mess. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> anyway, let's move to... Sm- uh, so anyway, Becky Lynch, as I said, for me is mine. Is, uh, is also on my list because she held the title for like almost 400 days and had, you know, she didn't have the best matches all the time. She had a feud with uh, with Lacey Evans that was less than spectacular, but her stuff with Ronda Rousey leading up to it and her win was, was great, obviously. Um, she ended up feuding with... Um, uh, with Asuka for a bit, and that stuff with Asuka was really good. She had never beaten Asuka before, and she finally did uh, at the Royal Rumble this past year. Um, who did she... Fe- Honestly, I'm missing a good chunk of... Oh, and her feud with Sasha Banks, obviously, in late 2019 was fantastic. Uh, the stuff that they did in Hell in a Cell was just unbelievable. Um, so those two... So Becky's on mine. Uh, and, and in addition to Charlotte and Sasha as well. Moving over to SmackDown, uh, I've got one name. Uh, sorry, two names. Um, simply because this title's been held by the likes of Carmella, Asuka, uh, Charlotte Flair, Sasha Banks, current champion, um, Naomi. But the two that I'm going with are Alexa Bliss and the longest reigning SmackDown Women's Champion of all time, Bailey. And we all, Angelo, you know how big of a Bailey fan I am. All too uh, well. And uh, so Bailey being able to be the, hold the distinction of the longest reigning SmackDown Women's Champion of all time means a lot to me. But also, the reign was great. I mean, it didn't have, it wasn't perfect, don't get me wrong, but in my opinion, it was a great heel title reign. The the initi- And if you think about it, and, and this is something that's forgotten, her longest reigning title reign, which I believe was 300 and I want to say 300 and like 60, 70, 70, 80 days. I don't know the exact number. It was over a year. She did hit one year. She had held the title. That was her second title reign. Her first title reign began May 19th, 2019. Angela, you and I were there. She won money in the bank. And cash it in on the same night to become women's champion. What and match that was. then she held the title from May till October when she lost it to Charlotte Flair at Hell in a Cell 2019. And only five days later, she cut her hair and won it back. So between May 19th of 2019 and October whatever of 2020 when she lost it to Sasha inside of Hell in a Cell, she was champion every day but five days. And had some great matches with Sasha had some interesting stuff with uh, 
Oscar, all that that stuff got a little weird over the summer. Um, but they were we mentioned it. They were the they were the queens of the pandemic. They were the MVPs because they made the most of it. They were the most entertaining sp- stuff during the pandemic. Being he- the top heels it was great. And to me, Bailey defines the SmackDown Women's Championship because of her length of holding it for basically a solid year and a half. So that's she's the one for me. And Alexa Bliss. She held the title on three separate occasions, and I just think that it really turned Bliss into the character that she is today. She developed her heel persona with that before moving over to Raw and being the, the you know the top heel as the Raw Women's Champion. But Bliss came into her own on SmackDown in her three reigns as champion, two reigns, yes, two reigns as champion uh, between December of 20, 2016 and April of 2017. So yeah, those are my... Uh, those are, those are my two. Angelo, who do you have anything different? Uh, no, I just, uh, put Becky Lynch actually for SmackDown. Right. I do like that you put Alexa Bliss though. That was really cool. Well, yeah, Bliss, you see, Bliss is kind of like that lost member of this, uh, really great era of women's wrestling. You know, we've got some great wrestlers right now and, and Bliss is amongst them for sure. And her new character with the fiend is just unbelievable. And I'm so, so intrigued by everything that they do. I'm glued to the screen every time. But, yep. um, you know, she's in there. She's in a discussion. Definitely, definitely top five, you know. She definitely deserves to be. Yes, that's for sure. For sure. Uh, anyway, so now we will move to mid-card championships, and we will talk about the Intercontinental Championship, which has had uh, – we're going we're gonna to ignore the current design because its existence has lasted only a year, and, I mean, Sami Zayn dominated most of that year as champion, so we're going to ignore the current design. But we've got the old-school white strap, which has been used twice, tw- you know, back in the early days of the gold and, you know, between 2011 and 2019. But also um, that oval-shaped design that lasted from the late 90s until 2011. So uh, let's start with the oval shape. Um, for me, very simple. Chris Jericho. What do you got, Angelo? Uh, for me, for that championship, the oval, um, the oval version of the Intercontinental Title. Yeah, the the oval version. Uh, damn, that was. I don't want to say Jericho, but I mean, I would put him in there. Um, I'd probably put uh, Drew McIntyre in on this discussion. You see, the thing with Drew's reign was so short. And in terms of the length the title existed, his reign was like seven, eight months. Yeah. Collectively over his two reigns. I just, you know, it's not enough time for me. You know, it wasn't memorable, if that makes sense. But, you know, Jericho, all nine of Jericho's reigns came with that incarnation of the belt. Um, I mean, I, I could venture... Um, to allow a guy, not allow a guy, it's not the right way to look at it, but I would venture to say maybe a Shelton Benjamin who benefited much more from that title um, than Drew McIntyre did because McIntyre was supposed to become the chosen one after that and just did not reach the level he should have, whereas Shelton Benjamin came into his own while holding the title, unfortunately just never really, again, came into his own. So that's why I'm going with Jericho for that one. Now, if you're talking the White Strap Intercontinental Championship, which has had lots of time to be used back in the 80s and early 90s, and then again in the 2011 to 2019, uh, this one's a little bit harder. 
Um, however, I've narrowed it down to two people who have solidified it for me, and one from each era of the White Straps existence. Going way back to the early days of the title, Shawn Michaels uh, with the uh, with the White Strap. Actually, no. You know what? Now that I think about it, I think Shawn had the that version of the title, but when it was the black strap. Like, the, the plates Ooh, were all the same, but I think the straps were black. Yeah, and, I think he had the black strap. That's a good. That's a good point because I forgot about that black strap incarnation, which took the middle, the mid nineties. Yeah, and then they also had like that um, the yellow strap too. Well, I think that was specific to the Ultimate Warrior. You know what? Now, now that I'm thinking about it, that white strap didn't have a long t- tenure early on. It was a, it was that that black strap. I'm thinking all the way back to Savage and Steamboat at WrestleMania three. It was still black strap. All right, well. Nonetheless, that version of the title from that era, Shawn Michaels is my guy. And from the more modern white strap of this time period, it's um, it's The Miz for me. I like that with The Miz and uh, Shawn Michaels. Um, I didn't really put any like thought into this one, really. I mean, I could have put much more thought, but... Uh, for the newer version of the White Strap, I uh, I actually put Dolph Ziggler in. Yeah, he 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 was my number two, right behind Miz. You know, with Ziggler, I mean, Z- so if I'm not mistaken, the most cumulative Intercontinental Championship reigns of all time, I believe, are Chris Jericho with nine, the Miz with eight, and I believe Dolph Ziggler has either six or seven. But yeah. you know the Intercontinental Championship is the workhorse's title, and when you look at those three guys, they've proven that over the years. You know, all three former world champions. You know, Jericho being what he is, despite the fact that personally he's probably not the greatest guy, and he's, you know, he's got some, he's got his own quirks uh, that we will not get into on this podcast, obviously. But as a wrestler, he's great, and he's done some good things with the Intercontinental title. And Miz, that made him who he is. His. Um, his 2016 to 2018 runs with the Intercontinental Championship were just the best version of Miz we have ever had. And and there's no real debating that in my opinion. You know, Miz was was at the top of his game and that was the time period where he should have been world champion again. But we'll see what happens now with his money in the bank briefcase being reinstated. Uh so yeah, that's my inter- that's the Intercontinental Championship and I be- do we have any other mid-card titles that we wanted to look at? Uh, so I have the United States as well as the European Championship. Okay, well, the European Championship, I'll be honest, was a little before my time. The only guy I can genuinely think of who held that title and held it for any extended period of time was um, William Regal. Uh, you know, that's just because I don't have a great memory of the European title. Yeah, I mean, I just put it because I remember, like, they... they uh, had like Rob Van Dam and Jeff Hardy go at it to unify the two titles. Yes. The Intercontinental and that. But, um, you know, looking back on the history of it, I, uh, I actually went ahead with the British Bulldog when he was part of the Hart Foundation. He held that title. Oh, okay. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think he held that, and uh, I think it was Owen that held the IC title. Owen, oh yeah, Owen. Well, both Brett and Owen held the IC title at one point. Yeah. 
that's you know so that's yeah why. Uh, well the european title uh, you know it was the mid-card title of the 90s that was like like the third tier title that was like the european title then the intercontinental title then the world title you know nowadays you know that would basically be the equivalent of the united states title maybe on this you know the u.s title and the intercontinental title are considered are considered on the same level nowadays um so i mean maybe that's how you would look at the european title from back in the 90s but the U.S. title is a little easier because it's got a lot more history, both in and out of the WWE. But in WWE, at least, even still, it's got almost 20 years of a lineage as well. You know, and for for a solid 19 of those years, we had that classic United States Championship look that we all know. It was like the triangular shape uh, before the new institute. The new one was instituted in early 2020, um, which has basically been held by just Apollo Cruz and Bobby Lashley. So we're going to ignore that one, obviously. But look at the a uh, long-tenured U.S. title version uh, that we had for many, many years. And uh, uh, I associate with the United States title in WWE. Uh, there's a lot of... This one's a little harder. There's a lot more choices than the uh, European title, for sure. Um, but I, I can bring it down to a um, couple of individuals. Uh, John Cena, five-time United States champion. And... A lot of good was done, with both in his early days when he was younger. It made him into a star, his first big title win, as well as uh, in 2015 when he regained the title and went on his uh, his his uh, best his open challenge series and had some great matches with like Sami Zayn, Cesaro. We've talked about that before. So um, John Cena is one of mine, as well as um, MVP. The longest reigning United States champion in WWE history. Nice, I respect that choice for MVP. So the- I was I was thinking on putting him, and I was thinking on putting Cena. Um, actually, who I have on my list might it might or might not shock you. I actually put Rusev. Oh yeah, really? Yeah. Um, just because the few reigns that he had, it was just you know the fact that he's not. I don't want to say that he's not an American because he technically is now, but at the time of holding the championship, he was just the heel in the situation. He just like treated it as if it was just a regular belt. Yeah. And the match that he had with Cena, that really like made me a fan of him as a heel. Oh yeah, absolutely. But that's, those are the reasons why I put him where I did for the United States Championship. I, I can respect that. Nothing wrong. You know, I'm not saying that there was anything wrong with the choice. I was just a little shocked because he only had the two reigns. Three oh, three reigns. And three the reigns, second yeah. and the second and third one were nowhere near the first. No, not at all. Uh, what's it called? So um yeah, that's the United States title, and I'm trying to move it along because we've been rambling on for a while about things, and I don't want to keep everyone here for too long. So let's move into the world championship scene. We're going to focus on two titles in particular, the big gold belt, the World Heavyweight Championship, and specifically its its length of time in WWE, not WCW or any of the other companies it was represented by. So from 2002 to 2013, it was the World Heavyweight Championship in WWE. Uh, and this one is a pretty... It's pretty interesting how many guys actually benefited from this title being reinstituted in 2002. 
I can go the cheap route in the reign of terror of Triple H in the early 2000s and its early days kind of really lowered the title to he's always going to have it. But for me, the names that I associate it with the most are Batista and Edge. Those are my two. Yeah, I have uh, I have Edge as well, actually. Seven times he held that title. Yep. I put it just because of his his reigns and even the the matches that he put on with it. Oh yeah. Like I could have even put Undertaker on there, but I well, don't know how Undertaker held the title three times. I I just think that at the time he held it, he like the thing with Taker was he never needed it. Exactly. But yeah. he um. He never needed it, but he always did great with it. I think that his stuff with Edge in 2008 was fantastic. His series of matches with Batista in 2007 is honestly in the top five best rivalries he I, he's had, in my opinion, in his entire career because they put on some great matches, and every time they just had great chemistry in the ring together. Um, and then um, his third one, kind of forgettable. 2009 into 2010 he took the title off of CM Punk didn't really have any great matches with it you know but he was champ and but I I think Batista for me because that was again his big his first big title win and it made him you know a star uh and he held the title for like 280 days and he only lost it because of an injury uh but all five four four of his world heavyweight title reigns did something for him. You know, one of them, he beat The Undertaker to win it. Um, sorry, no, he beat Kali, but then he he beat Taker to retain it in his second reign. Uh, his third reign. And in his second reign, he was champion for... Uh, he beat King Booker and had those matches with Taker. He started the rivalry with Taker. So, yeah, in a nutshell, Batista is... is that's why Batista's on there for me. So any other ones that you've got, Angelo, for the big gold? Uh, the big gold, unfortunately not. Just, uh, just Edge. All right, cool. So we'll move on to the WWE Championship now. And the WWE title has had many different institution, uh, in, uh, incarnations as well, as we've mentioned. We're going to focus on all the ones from um, 1985, I believe, was when the, the Winged Eagle was instituted. From 1985 on, the Winged Eagle, the Attitude Era's big... Um, the big... Uh, I forget what they call it. It's the Big Eagle. It's the Big Eagle one. I forget what that one's technically called. Uh, then the Undisputed title, that was uh, the mid-2000s. Uh, the Spinner Belt and the modern version of the two with the big WWE logo in the middle that we have today. So, Angelo, I'm going to let you go first. When you think of the Winged Eagle, who do you think of? And I think we can easily... This one's pretty easy. <laughs> the, wing, the Winged Eagle from 85? Yeah. Like the original? The, yeah, we all know um, who this one was. <laughs> uh, that one... I could go with either Brett or Sean. Okay, that was neither the ones that I was going with, but I like that choice a lot better than the one I was thinking you were going with. I was thinking you were going Hulk Hogan, you know, because he held that title for basically like five or six straight years and then came back and won it again in 93 for no reason. But, uh, yeah, Brett and Sean as well. That was most of Sean's title reigns came with that. All of Brett's did. Um you know, I think it was, it was, it was the symbol of excellence at the time, and that that was when the title really meant something. It was from from eighty five to two thousand and two. The title meant something, and then after that, it just became 
fodder for the mid-card for a few years. Sorry, Eddie Guerrero, but the title was not as prestigious at that time as it was before. Eddie did a lot to restore that, but it was never you know the same as it was when Brett and Sean and, and Flair and and Macho Man and, and, and um, what's it called? You know, even, you know, and moving into the the Attitude Era belt, you know, the big uh, circular one with the big eagle on the top. To me, that's Stone Cold and The Rock and Triple H to an extent, but Stone Cold and The Rock for sure. What do you guys say about that one? That one, I definitely agree with. Stone Cold and Rock carried that title all the way, all the way to its existence for me. They, they made it the biggest deal ever. Yeah, oh, God. They were the definition of the, the biggest stars in the world at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and but anybody else that you can associate with that time frame? Because like I said, there were others, and like I feel like you kind of neglect because of who they were around, you know? Yeah, but for, for me, those main two, they, they absolutely did it for the title. Right. And Triple H, yeah, too, he held it. But for me, it was it was more Rock and Stone Cold. They really made that title important. Oh yeah, Triple H held it a lot, a few times. Mick Foley, Undertaker, Big Show, you know. But Kurt Angle, but definitely those two. Now let's get into the undisputed championship. Who do you put with that one? That one I actually put uh, Eddie Guerrero under. Yeah, Eddie was the only one who really made that title mean anything. Sorry, JBL, uh, Triple H, Hulk Hogan, Taker. But Kurt. that was Kurt. Oh, I forgot Kurt held that one. Damn, you forget that Kurt held that one for a little while. Oh, Big Show held it too. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, so did Brock. Oh yeah, Brock. I was Brock's Brock's time. I forgot about that. Yeah, that was. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so that one we're gonna just kind of skip right through because I that design was just ugly to me. Let's go to the spinner belt. We all remember the spinner belt. Outside of John Cena, because he created the damn thing. Pick somebody outside of John Cena. Who do you got, Angelo? I think this one's pretty obvious who I'm going to pick. Who you got? CM Punk. Oh, yeah. 434 days. Plus leaving the company with the title. Oh, man. What a, what a night. Chicago, July 17th, 2011. That was one hell of a match. One hell of a crowd. All on one side. And... Him leaving with that championship. Oh, man, I got goosebumps just thinking about it. Oh, how can you not, man? One of the most important nights in wrestling history. Yeah. You know, I could I could have probably been, like, cliche and said, oh, you know, The Miz too. But, you know, something, it was just something about punk for me that that did it. Oh, absolutely. And, he, and, and such a great wrestler, too. Like, beloved and great. It wasn't like it was somebody who was loved, but he sucked, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Any, anybody else? You know, because that title actually lasted a damn near eight years in existence. No, that one. Um, Randy yeah. Orton held it a few times. Uh, yeah. Sheamus. Randy Orton, Sheamus, actually, that was his first, his first major championship. Yeah, absolutely. He beat John Cena in a tables match, TLC 2009. That was, what, a couple months after his debut, right? Um, Yeah, he debuted on ECW in June, and he was world champion in December. Wow. Crazy how quickly that happened. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that that was something great for him to begin his career with, though. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, for me, it was was just punk. 
I don't think I could say anything else about it. Yeah, outside of Cena, obviously, because like you know, he created that title, and so he's the the definition of it. But yeah, uh, and then into the more modern version, the uh, big W version. There was two different types of it. There was the old scratch logo before they had the new current one. So we'll can we can loop those together because the scratch logo was only around for like a year. Um, the Rock held it, then Cena, Daniel Bryan, Randy Orton, and then it was turned into the big one when Brock Lesnar won it. Um, this one is unique because it's been a weird time period for the championship, but I think if I had to handpick somebody who really signified the last few years as world champion, the WWE champion, I, I should say, I would probably lean... Oh, this is tougher. This is very tough. I'm going to lean to AJ Styles. I'm going to go with AJ Styles. Held the title I, I twice, think... September of 2016 to January 2017, and then again from November 2017 to November 2018. Uh, his two reigns cumulatively over 400 days as champion and had some great matches with the likes of Dean Ambrose, John Cena, uh, Samoa Joe, Daniel Bryan, Brock Lesnar. You know, some great stuff as champion. So, and who do you associate with that one? Uh, so, for that belt, it would have to be either uh, Seth Rollins or AJ Styles. Yeah. Well, and Seth's had some good runs with that. Had his first run with it was great. His his first run was definitely, definitely a great one for him. And you know, the other few that he had too were, in my eyes, like really, I, I don't want to say phenomenal, but. They were something else. <laughs> Good pun there, buddy. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, what's it called? So, that, you know... Sorry. Sorry, I'm getting distracted here, everybody. It's a busy night in the, uh, in the world uh, for me, myself. But anyway... Uh, we're going to move on to Impact Wrestling now. And we wanted to include Impact Wrestling just to, you know, kind of diversify our discussions a little bit more. We usually talk a lot about um, WWE and AEW, but we're going to turn to Impact Wrestling. And we're going to keep Impact's discussion a little bit shorter. We're just going to kind of touch on it. We're going to look at the X Division title first. The X Division title has been the basis of TNA's, you know, company since day one, basically. Um, And again, my choice for this title is going to be... AJ Styles. <laughs> you know, AJ was a multiple-time X Division champion. I think he held the title five or six times. And going back to his unbelievable match with Samoa Joe and uh, um, Christopher Daniels, Turning Point 2005, to me, that's like the definition of what TNA was in its early days, and that's why I'm going with AJ for the X Division gold. Wow. Definitely, I respect that decision for it. But the TNA's version of the X Division championship, uh, I'm going to go with Lawson Aries. Ah, option C, option C. (laughs) Yeah, so I feel like that's something that uh, really uh, makes that title special because you have the opportunity to cash in for a world title shot. Yeah, I think that's such a great concept, to be honest. I I thought that was a really cool concept when I was younger. I still think it is. It would actually make it mean something. I don't even think they do it anymore. No, I... um, they haven't done it recently. I think the last time they did it was like two or three years ago. Yeah, before before the uh, the pandemic for sure. Yeah. 
Um, and, and so you said the TNA version. You wanted, Did you have one for the Impact version? Uh, the Impact version, I did have Trevor Lee because of the couple reigns that he had. Yeah, um, I remember that. 2016-17. Yeah. You know, the, the, like I said, the couple reigns that he had. Um, you know, that was when I just really started paying attention to Impact. Um, and, you know, he was one of the first guys that I saw. So I was like, you know what? Why not? <laughs> he he is a star, but uh, he's not really being used to his full potential. Uh, oh, well, Cameron Grimes, he's still got plenty of time in WWE. Um, I think he'll be, I think he'll be something in NXT. You just wait his turn. Um, he's got a lot of talent and he's, he'll, he'll be there. Uh, for the Impact X Division title, ah, uh, man, I, I, you know, I, I kind of tuned out of Impact around 2016, shortly after the final deletion. And really have not, even to this day, I've tried to pick to stay up to date with this, you know, with all these new signings they've had, but just so hard i'm not really into impact as much as i used to be at one time i'm gonna go with the one guy that i do remember having a run with it in recent years was oh god what was his name um wow this is this is bad the name was on the tip of my tongue and then i i was started i started talking about him and i forgot who he was i believe it was 2017 16 uh, okay, you know what? To save the interest of time, I'm going to skip who it was. If I remember his name, I will go back to him, but I, I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Anyway, so moving on to the Impact Wrestling uh, Tag Team Championships, uh, where I'm going to go with um, the old uh, T- the TNA version. Uh, for this one, I actually do have one for both. The, Im- the TNA version, I have Beer Money. And for the Impact Wrestling version, I have The North. Ethan Page and J- uh, Josh Alexander. Uh, I haven't seen too much of the North, but what I've seen, I've loved. I think that they're both talented guys, and wherever they end up, they're going to be great. I know that Ethan Page is a free agent now. Um, but, yeah, Beer Money, how many runs did they have with the gold? Their feuds with the Motor City Machine Guns and, and Team 3D. Just some great tag team wrestling at a time when WWE really wasn't treating it like that. So you turn to TNA and you see, damn, tag team wrestling actually being done well. It was a prelude to what AEW will have perfected a decade later, but beer money is mine and the North for impact. Who do you got, Ange? Same exact two. Wow. <laughs> that was a that was an unexpected one. Anything else you'd like to add to what I had to say about either team? I mean, beer money, just just a fantastic team. Two talented guys, Bobby Roode and and uh, James Storm. Oh, absolutely. And that was Literally, Bobby Roode's second team, I think, in TNA. Uh, right after both AMW. of them. Uh, team Canada for Roode and America's Most Wanted for James Storm. America's Most Wanted was TNA's greatest tag team ever. I don't care what you say. They were the NWA tag team champions like seven times. And James Storm was just, he was, he was oh, God, that team was amazing. I, I, I got to go back and watch more of their stuff because what I've seen has been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, definitely beer money in the north for me too. Yeah. Um, so moving on to the knockouts title, I'm going to let you go first this time, Angelo. Who do you have for the knockouts title? Uh, so for TNA's version, I got Gail Kim. And Impact's version, I have Tessa Blanchard. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. Um, why, why do you have Tessa? Why Tessa over Taya Valkyrie? That's just curious. Uh, 
I was thinking on putting Taya also, but um, like I'm I'm not huge on Impact's women division right now, but when I was watching it, Tessa was like the first one that I saw, and you know her winning that title and then having the run that she had with it. Yeah, and, and then, then ending up going on to um, win the world championship, the first yeah. women woman to win a major promotions world cha- men's world championship. She was a trailblazer in impact. Yeah, I mean, she could be a she's from what I hear a terrible person, but we don't talk about that. We talk about in-ring capabilities. And look at her lineage. I mean, her father is Tully Blanchard. Can't really go wrong there. Um not at all. <laughs> for me, you said Gail Kim for the uh, the knock the TNA Knockouts title. For me, it's Gail. It, yeah, actually, I got a I got a couple for the old Knockouts title, and for different reasons. I got Gail Kim, Awesome Kong, okay, and Angelina Love of the Beautiful People. Angelina Love, low key, was a six time Knockouts champion. To me. When you hold the title that many times, and she was a top heel. Now, again, not the greatest wrestler in the world, but character-wise, the beautiful people were some... They were beautiful, obviously. Some of the most beautiful women in the world. But you love to hate them, because they were such prisses, and you, you had to hate them. But, yeah, so Angelina Love, and oh, of course, awesome Kong. Can't, can't not mention Kong. Her and Gail Kim put the Knockouts division on the map in 2007. Uh, and for the modern version, I've got Taya Valkyrie um, because she had a very long reign with the title, and I think that Tessa beating her was made so much bigger because of the length of her reign. Um, but I do want to make an honorable mention to the current Knockouts champion, Diana Perrazzo. I think she's going to be arguably the biggest women's star in the world within a year or two. That's not in WWE, and you mark my words. WWE made a mistake letting her go. She is unbelievable. I love Deanna Perrazzo. She is fantastic in the ring, and I cannot wait to see her succeed even more. She's a two-time Knockouts champion, and I hope that she has nothing but more and more success as the years go by. So, moving on to our last championship that we will discuss here tonight, the Impact Wrestling slash TNA World Heavyweight Championship. So, this title... Held the TNA world title had two different looks. Uh, the initial one uh, uh, instituted in 2007 and then rebranded after Jeff Hardy's ugly ass immortal championship in 2011. Or, uh, that title was ugly as hell and they got rid of it and Sting brought in a new one. So, and then of course the rebrand in 2015 when they merged with GFW for a time. There was also the GFW championship and. So we're going to kind of skip over that really weird period and look more at the current state of affairs with the Impact Wrestling World Championship now. Uh, I'm going to look at that one, the more modern championship, and I associate, um, uh, what's it called? With that championship, I do associate Sammy Callahan and Tessa Blanchard for their time feuding over the championship in late 2019, early 2020. But I do want to give an honorable mention to John, Johnny Impact, a.k.a. John Morrison, who held the title in 2018 and did a very great job as champion. Uh, to me, Johnny Impact, sorry, 2019, 2018, I forget exactly when. Um, yeah, Johnny Impact as well for me. But going back to the TNA World Championship, which obviously had much better of a lineage than the current one, considering the time frame, I do got to go with... Um, 
AJ Styles again. <laughs> Sorry. AJ Styles and um, Bully Ray. Bully Ray, man, that was a great heel run. The Aces and Eights could have been so much better. Hulk Hogan's booking team just making it a mess. But, yeah, those were mine. Who do you got, Ange? Uh, so for the Impact uh, World Heavyweight Championship, I also have Sammy Callahan. And for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship, I actually have Kurt Angle. You know, I forget how many times Kurt held that damn title. <laughs> Plus his matches against, you know, the likes of, uh, you know, Jeff Jarrett and um, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe. That's right. Joe was champion for a while at one point. I don't think Jarrett actually ever held the TNA's version of the title. I think he held the NWA title before. He he might have held the NWA championship. He did. Right? I know he did hold the NWA one. Challenged. I don't think he ever held the TNA version that was instituted in 2007. That I don't believe he did. No, that one I'm not entirely sure about. But Well, either way. Um, so he can't go wrong with Kurt. No. Kurt, you know, he won six or seven world titles in WWE, went and won another six or seven in, in TNA. TNA. Uh, and had a decade long. He actually had a longer career in TNA than he did actively in WWE from – he, in WWE, he was there from 1999 to 2006. In TNA, he was there from 2006 to 2016. So a decade long spent in in that company, which is just crazy to think. You know, you, you identify him more as a WWE guy, but he spent more time in the in the in the rival promotion for for all those years. But yeah, so I think this is a great discussion. It was an interesting topic put forth by. Uh, by Angelo, and I was very intrigued to talk about it, and it's kind of just different to think about, you know, guys you uh, associate with certain titles and whatnot. Um, but what's it called? We have, excuse me, sorry. Uh, what's it called? We have uh, concluded this episode of the Fans Talk Pro Wrestling Podcast. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our long and detailed discussion about different championships and their uh, and their holders over the years. Uh, Angelo, I'm going to mention this on air because I do think that we are going to get to do this. Uh, I was approached by some of our friends who have joined us in the past on the podcast, including Austin and Raf, along with other individuals from um, the group chat that I met them in and got to know them in. And hopefully sometime soon we will be able to produce a huge episode with as many of those guys hopping on here with us as possible. Uh, and We're going to talk about um, something Uh, I'm not going to spoil the topic. Angelo, you and I can talk about it after the fact, but we're hoping to have that episode soon. Have a nice big uh, group episode and have a lot of guys on here. And I think it'll be a very interesting discussion to have more than just myself and Angelo talking for an hour. So we'll see what happens, but just a little tease for the future, everybody. Uh, Angelo, anything else you want to add for the great people listening at home? Uh, Just can't wait to, (laughs) to talk about that next episode. Alrighty, well, everyone, we thank you for joining us once again. We thank you for listening to us and uh, and to taking part in the Fans Talk Pro Wrestling Podcast experience. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. We are on Apple Podcasts now. We are on Spotify now, YouTube. Anywhere you get your podcast, you should be able to hear us. So we thank you for listening. We will see you next time. And always remember to never forget to be uh, never be afraid to be a fan. So long, everyone, and we will see you all next time.